The Insurance and Injury Law Show, number anytime. Get a hold of Savan and the crew. Simple, one 990 is help at Lots of stuff to cover today. We've got a bunch of emails, questions, and we'll get to some uh, good websites and tools you could be using as well to help you out. If uh, you're ever in the case of having a personal injury or stuff like that, we'll get to that uh, in just a little bit as well. But we always start off with some cases, with some week that was. What's going on with you, pal? Well, John, it's been uh, great weather uh, that we've been experiencing. But you know what? That doesn't stop people from uh, calling us and emailing us with questions about injuries they've suffered uh, this past winter and also the issues they're having, repeated issues they're having with long-term disability insurers. So let's just jump into it. Uh, Here's uh, the story of one individual who contacted us this week. This person has been on disability for nine months. He suffered a spinal injury. He's getting about uh, $2,500 a month uh, from his insurance company. Now, he's not been cut off, but his insurance company is trying to pressure him to go back to work, even though he has not been cleared to go back to work yet by his doctors. He's 40 years old. He was a manager at a bank uh, making six figures. Now, he has a pain uh, doctor and a spine specialist, both of who support him being off work and on disability. So then the question becomes, John, of course, how can we help someone like that when he's getting this pushback from the insurance company? And this is unfortunately a very common issue that we hear about all the time. Remember, insurance companies, I keep saying it over and over because it's true. Insurance companies are in the business to make money. And one of the ways that they can make money is to deny your claim altogether from the beginning. And we've talked about those cases. Another way for them to make money, obviously, is to get paid premiums. That's how they actually get their revenues. But then what happens when people go on claim, when they have to approve those individuals in accordance with the policy? Well, at some point, the insurance company tries to get you off claim, either by cutting you off or suggesting to you that you are well enough to go back to work. And oftentimes they will do that despite the fact that your own doctors are saying and clearly outlining in letters and reports to the insurance company that you are no lo- sorry that you are not uh, ready to go back to work yet. So what do you do about that? Well, first of all, Here's my advice. Number one, make sure you confirm to the adjuster that you're dealing with in writing that you're not able to go back to work yet, that you simply don't feel up to it. Don't just say that on the phone to the adjuster that you're dealing with. Actually confirm it in writing. And in fact, as soon as they start suggesting to you that perhaps you're ready to go back, start recording everything in writing. So you talk to them on the phone, that's fine. Shoot an email right after to the adjuster saying, hey, by the way, just confirming our conversation, here's what I said here's how I feel. I'm now ready to go back to work. And by the way, my doctors agree with me. And that leads me to my second point. Make sure that your doctors, whoever's treating you, uh, continues to provide ongoing updates once a month, once every two months, whatever it is that is required, uh, you know, according to your specific case. Uh, But make sure that your uh, doctors and whoever's treating you is in fact providing those continuous updates to the insurance company because you're building a written record from your doctors to the insurance company that the insurance company will have difficulty uh, disputing. Uh, Now, make sure also that if the pressure becomes too much, if in fact you feel like, you know, they're ganging up on you, the insurance company, Mm -hmm. you feel like they're imminently going to cut you off even though they haven't said anything about that, call me. Call me or email me. Let's have a chat. I'm going to give you some more specific advice about your situation, right? Remember, every case is different. There are similarities, uh, which is why we're talking about these cases on on every show. But there are also very unique differences depending on the individual circumstances, the specific disability policies that we're dealing with. So I can give you specific advice, and it's going to cost you nothing. 
So again, if you feel that pressure from the insurance company, give me a call, email me, myself, my team. We will be there. We will help you. That number, by the way, one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. Email simple as well. Help at insurancelawyer.ca. What else you got going on? Here's an email that we got from an individual who, again, is dealing with a long-term disability uh, issue. Here's what she writes. She says, I was given your email address in the hopes that your firm may be of some assistance. I was applying for short-term disability and have been denied twice. I'm currently seeing a specialist to determine the root cause of my illness and therefore my ability to work or not work. My doctor is of the strong opinion that my current medical condition prevents me from performing my work duties as required by the job. My doctor has and will back me up with whatever documentation is necessary to attest to my medical condition. Right. Thus far, I have been provided, sorry, I have provided the requested medical information by the insurer, uh, and, and twice I have been rejected, and I'm at a loss as to why they keep rejecting my claim. Well, again, John, let's go back to what I just said a few moments ago. Insurance companies are in the business of making money, and one of the ways they do that one of the ways they do that is by denying claims outright. They don't even put you on claim. So again, when you're in that situation, don't appeal those decisions. Don't reapply you know, for further consideration by the insurance company. Clearly, the people who you've given the, that paperwork to have come to a conclusion which is different from the conclusion that your doctors have arrived at and the conclusion that you've arrived at. So contact us and let us take a look at the documentation you've submitted. Let us take a look at the rejection letters, the denial letters from the insurance company. And again, we will tell you within a few minutes whether or not you have a legal claim against the insurer. Unfortunately, in most instances like this, you know, we're able to, to uh, sorry, not unfortunately, fortunately, we're able to resolve these kinds of claims and we resolve them fairly quickly. And how do we do that? By starting a legal claim against the insurance company. Because once we do that, it's no longer in the hands of the insurance company as to whether to deny the claim. Now they have to contend with the possibility that if they don't come to the table and negotiate in good faith, it's going to end up in court. And guess what, John? The majority, the vast majority of these cases never, ever go to court for a very simple reason. It's simply too expensive and risky for insurance companies to roll the dice. So they would roll the dice by rejecting your claim and hoping that you would simply walk away from your claim. But rarely do they roll the dice to actually go to court to be in front of a judge to get hammered by a judge and be forced to pay not only what the person deserves, but all the legal fees, etc. So again, give us a call, email us. At most, at most, you're going to, sorry, at the very least, you're going to get the information you need to make a decision as to whether or not it makes sense for you to proceed with a legal claim. Yeah, it's really simple. So much more to go here. So, uh, so stick around. You have questions. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. And as we mentioned, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Lots more to go. Global News Radio six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. And help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more to go. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. That is a website you can use. Check it out right now. Ask your questions and have them answered. I think you're gonna you're gonna pull one from that. Are you not now, Savan? I am exactly. Yeah, this Good. one comes from Chris. And uh, Chris writes, I'm being requested to see a psychologist from my LTD insurer. They've offered to pay. Do I have to see the psychologist that the insurance company is recommending or can I find my own psychologist? And of course, I answer this question. Again, for people out there, this website is absolutely free. Post your questions about disability, whatever you're dealing with. I will answer those questions for free literally within minutes. Yeah. So here's the, here's the answer. If the insurance company is offering to pay for a psychologist for you to go and see. And by the way, psychologists, as far as I know, are not covered by OHIP, or at least the vast majority are not, so you have to pay out of pocket. 
My concern with going to a psychologist for treatments that the insurance company is paying for is that immediately I have alarm bells ringing in my head. Why is the insurance company telling me to go to that particular psychologist? Why are they willing to pay that psychologist's fees and invoices? Why? Why? You know, it's no different than, you know, if you're in a car accident, the insurance company says, we want you to go to this specific mechanic. Well, why that specific mechanic? And, you know, I've had situations where I've had people contact me where they've gone to the psychologist or the rehab center that the insurance company was paying for. But guess what? Those individuals, in many instances, were unhappy with the treatments that they were getting from those uh, different professionals that the insurance company was paying for. And guess what else? At some point down the road, those professionals, quote unquote, provided reports which were unfavorable to individual reports that said, oh yeah, this person is now all better. They can go back to work. You know, and the individual was scratching their head saying, no, I'm not better. Why are they saying that? Well, you know, why are they saying that? Perhaps it has something to do with the fact that they're being paid by the insurance company. I mean, you know, surprise, surprise. So again, I don't want to paint all of these individuals with the same brush. All I'm saying is that anecdotally, this is what I have experienced. This is the, the lawyers that work with me. We have seen this over and over and over. So if you have a choice of getting treated by someone that you can choose or that your family doctor is recommending as opposed to the individual or the center, the rehab center that the insurance company is sending you to, if it's up to me, I would go somewhere where I have you know, done my research and, and, and chosen yeah. those individuals opposed to whoever it is that the insurance company is paying for. That, that's just, you know, those are my two cents. And, and then, you know, hopefully you won't find yourself in that same dilemma that many people who have come to me who have gone to the centers where the insurance company is paying for, you know, you're not going to find yourself in your shoes and having to battle them. And by the way, if you, if you are in that situation where you've gone to one of those centers or to the psychologist or whoever it is the insurance company is paying for, and now you find yourself battling their opinions because now they're telling the insurance company you're ready to go back to work, but you're not, give me a call because, you know, we can do something about that. That would be completely unfair. We would have to reach out to your specific family doctor, see whoever else is, is treating you and see what they have to say about, uh, you know, the opinions expressed by these uh, professionals that are being paid by the insurance company. But don't just give up, okay? There are always solutions. There's always a menu of options. Give us a call, email us, and we will have that conversation with you. one 990 9646 is that number and help at the I want to get to an email right now. We've still got a couple minutes to go. This one from uh, Miranda, she writes in and says, I fell on ice in February and broke my right knee. I'm a nurse practitioner, and I've always been very active. I haven't been back to work because of this injury, and I'm afraid that I'll have major issues going forward. I'm 59 years old. I live by myself. I need to figure out how to get money or uh, have money in, or else I'll have to sell my house. What should I do right now legally? Well, Miranda, first of all, we have to put uh, whoever's responsible for that property where you fell on ice, we have to put them on notice. If this is a city property, then under the Municipal Act, uh, notice ought to have been given to them in writing within 10 days of the incident. So, you know, we have to figure that out ASAP. If it's not a city property, uh, then that notice requirement is not there. But I still suggest that we move on this very, very quickly because a few months now have passed. So, you know, the first issue, John, that we deal with in slip and falls is trying to figure out who's at fault for our client's injuries. 
And when I when I talk about fault, it's not necessarily only whoever owns the property, right? It, it can be a winter maintenance contractor. It could be a subcontractor. You can have a variety of entities, and all of these different entities presumably will have insurance that insures them. So it's important to identify all of them, and, and there are ways to do that. We do that uh, very efficiently at, at our firm. We have a good team that's responsible for that. And once we figure out who are all the potential parties that should be involved in here, we contact them. They then contact their insurance company. And now, you know, we, we, have, we have a conversation going. Now, in terms of the next issue, well, that's damages. Clearly, yeah. you're, you're, you know, you have a significant injury here, a, a right knee fracture. There are going to be issues down the road with that kind of an injury. She may need a knee replacement. She may have mobility issues into the future. We've dealt with quite a lot of these kinds of injuries at our firm and spoken to quite a few orthopedic surgeons. And I can tell you, John, this is not a simple injury. So we're going to be dealing with pain and suffering damages that this lady is owed. We're going to be dealing with income losses, past income losses. In other words, from the time she was unable to work up until now and into the future. We may be dealing with, uh, you know, rehab expenses. She, she will need physiotherapy, etc. OHIP is going to have its own claim to advance because this lady has been going to the hospital, obviously, because of these injuries. So we have yeah. to deal with the government. So there's a whole myriad of things that we have to deal with. And, and so, Miranda, what I would tell you is that we need to have a conversation off air. And, and I can literally outline everything to you, uh, whether it's over the phone or in person, so that you understand what your legal rights are. And remember, you have two years from the date of the incident to start a legal claim for your injuries, but you don't need to wait those two years. In fact, oftentimes you hear about lawyers who just wait until the two-year mark. Sometimes they even miss it to their client's detriment. And then, you know, we have to start legal claims against the lawyers for negligence. But there's no reason to wait when you're dealing with an injury that is so severe and significant. And and when the income losses are ongoing since the time of the incident, there's literally no reason to wait to start a legal claim. We have to move on this very fast because, you know, John, just like just like us, Miranda's going to have a mortgage to pay or rent. She's sure. going to have other expenses. There is no reason to wait. And again, we can help her. So very, very important to get in touch with us. one 990 Miranda, that is the number. And just in case you don't have it, well, you do have the email address, but I'll give it to you as well. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lump sums, what they are, how they work, that's all coming up here. Lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Tell me a little bit about the injury calculator. Love this tool. Yeah, it's a free online tool, and it allows people who've been injured, like Miranda from the last segment, yeah. you know, who fell on ice and broke her knee, to figure out really quickly within ten fifteen seconds how much she potentially could be looking at for compensation for her pain and suffering. And what it is, John, is uh, it's it's essentially a database of other cases of similar types of injuries that other people have uh, have had, whether you've been in a car accident or a slip and fall, you know, you tore your shoulder, you suffered a concussion, you want to know without having to call a lawyer or Google it, how much could you potentially be entitled to if you start a legal claim for your injury. And so we have this database that is based on cases from across the country of people with similar injuries who have litigated their claims all the way to trial and judges have said, you know, for this ankle fracture, here, here my, here's how much uh, uh, you're owed. For for this back injury, here's how much you get. So by going to this calculator, you can input just a few key pieces of information, and then it scans that database, and it shoots out a range of damages you could be looking at for your pain and suffering. But again, as we always say, it's just for your pain and suffering. So if it tells you that for your ankle fracture, uh, you may be looking at thirty to forty to fifty thousand dollars for pain and suffering, 
maybe because of that injury, you're unable to go to work. And so potentially in your specific circumstances, you may be entitled to $200,000 for income loss, but that's specific to a case. So at the end, when you get the result, which by the way is anonymous, uh, you get that result when you use that calculator, you can click submit if you want to have an actual consultation with one of our lawyers. And at that point, we contact you and we have a discussion about your specific case. Again, injurycalculator.ca, completely anonymous if you choose. Check it out when you got some time. It's uh, it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, lump sum, what is a lump sum settlement and LTD claims? How do they work? So lump sum settlements and LTD claims is usually what happens when we resolve your claim when you have a dispute with your insurance company. So, you know, John, when you apply for short-term disability or long-term disability, the idea is to get approved and then to start getting payments once a month, Uh, you know, depending on your policy, depending on how much you're earning. But what happens when you were let, sorry, not let go, cut off disability or, or denied altogether, and then we have to start a legal claim on your behalf? At some point down the road, we may end up at a mediation or a settlement conference. And at that point, there's going to be a discussion, assuming, assuming that you know the insurance company comes to the table, which is the intent of the legal claim process, there's going to be a discussion as to whether or not we can resolve the entirety of the claim for a lump sum amount. In other words, a single number that you're going to get in your pocket, as opposed to getting reinstated or, or put back on claim and then getting... Uh, paid once a month. So here's an example. Let's say you, John, were an LTD for a year. Let's say after a year, for whatever reason, the insurance company cut you off and they should not have cut you off. So we start a legal claim on your behalf. And let's say five months after we got involved, we go to a mediation and now we're in a mediation and, and we're negotiating with the other side. One of the ways that we can resolve your case is by the insurance company agreeing to pay you what you were owed from the time you were cut off up until the date of the mediation as well as X amount of years into the future. So let's say you're owed 10 years into the future, assuming that, you know, within 10 years you reach, uh, you know, the the, the end of the policy. Perhaps we can negotiate with the insurance company that they'll pay you five years worth of that future amount. And that future amount will be non-taxable. So all that means when we're talking about lump sum is that instead of you getting payments once a month going forward, the way that these policies work, we are agreeing with the insurance company, we're negotiating a settlement whereby you get a single number deposited into your account or you get a check, a settlement check, that, that is the full value of the settlement uh, th- right. that we've negotiated, but that the relationship between you and the insurance company is then severed going forward. So both sides basically walk away happy or unhappy equally, whatever, <laughs> however you yeah. want to characterize it. But, but that's the idea of a lump sum settlement, that there is a settlement for a large amount as opposed to putting you back on claim. Email address, by the way, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Jerry writes in, says, I was diagnosed with chronic headaches and pain and was on LTD for almost a year. Last week, I got a call from my insurance company who said that they have surveillance showing me going to the pool and swimming and that they think that this is proof that I can work. But I swim three times a week for about 20 minutes because my doctor told me to do it to help my pain and build up my stamina. Can they just cut me off because of that? Jerry, unfortunately, this is, again, a very common problem. Insurance companies utilize surveillance. They hire private investigators often. Uh, And by the way, I mean, remember, I used to work for insurance companies, so I would do the same thing. I would recommend that my client, the insurance company, hire you know a surveillance operator to look after uh, an individual that we thought were you know was scamming the system but what happens is that oftentimes these uh, surveillance operators these private investigator uh, 
they, they, they get footage, uh, photographs or video of individuals doing things that are just normal everyday things, whether it's going to the grocery store or picking up their kids, something that does not, you know, make a liar out of these people. Now, in this case, in, in, in um, the email that we, that we just received, you know, you're dealing with surveillance that shows this individual going to the pool when his own doctor told him he should be going to the pool. So you think right. to yourself, okay, well, what's the logic of cutting this person off or following his doctor's instructions? It makes zero sense. But again, remember, insurance companies are not necessarily trying to adjudicate your claim as they should in good faith. They're often trying to latch on to something, whatever it is, to justify them cutting you off. So in this case, even though the doctor recommended that this person actually go to the swimming pool, now the insurance company is saying, we're going to use that against you. It's very easy to fight. This is very easy to challenge. And I can tell you that I've had quite a few cases much, much more damaging than this, where the insurance company said, oh, we have surveillance. It blows you know, the, the individual's case out of the water when in fact it showed absolutely nothing. And, and by the way, we have a client right now in our office, one of our lawyers just told me, where the insurance company's investigator, get this, John, actually got surveillance of our client in church. And they actually think that somehow that helps them because it shows that our client, you know, is is out and about doing stuff. I mean, can you just imagine of of how idiotic that premise is? You know, listen, unless 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 the individual is saying that they are paralyzed, that they can't walk, and suddenly you have them walking around, walking their dog. I mean, surveillance oftentimes is completely useless, and in fact, oftentimes we can actually turn it around. Right. And use it right. against the insurance company to actually totally. show, no, you actually missed the point. This person is actually following their doctor's instructions. This person is actually doing what they're expected to do, you know, to try and get better. So, you know, I'm not concerned about surveillance. Uh, I want to see it. I want to understand the insurance company's position. But oftentimes I feel that there is an explanation, a logical explanation. And frankly, when there is no logical explanation, well, then the insurance company is right. You know, if a person is lying to the insurance company, well, then they should not be on disability. But many times, in fact, most times when people contact us, uh, John, because they were cut off due to surveillance, the surveillance is, is only you know, showing one side of the story. It's not actually showing the full story. And, and you know, we, we can challenge the insurance company's denial, and we can bring them to the negotiating table, and we can negotiate a settlement. one 990 9646 is that number. Help at the lawyer.ca. If you haven't used it yet, as well. Find it with a pain and suffering component of your claim should be. More to go. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Anytime help at the insurancelawyer.ca. So someone's denied LTD or, or, or cut off for that matter. Should they just bite the bullet, try to go back to work, or just go back to work? And then what happens if they and they try to go back to work and then they get worse because they tried? You know, it's a tricky question, John. And, and the reason it's tricky is because most people will tell you that if been, they've been denied or cut off LTD and they go back to work, it's because they have no choice. What is their yeah. choice? To lose their house? I mean, we hear that a lot. And, and, you know, it frustrates us that the insurance companies often do this knowing full well of, of, of what this may do to this individual to force them to an environment where, you know, they, they, that, that made them sick, that, you know, they're unable to, to go back because of a variety of reasons. So, so here's what we tell people. If you're in that situation, don't wait. Don't wait for a few weeks, a few months, maybe even a few years after you've been cut off. Contact us immediately when you start seeing that there are problems or you anticipate that there is going to be an issue with your insurance company. 
because one of the things that we try to really emphasize uh, to the listeners out there and to the lawyers that work with us in our team is that we understand that you know not getting any money in at any given point is extremely stressful not not just on the individual but 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 you know their families they have expenses they have mortgages to pay they have you know kids tuition if they're in university i mean there's a lot of stuff to to you know that's contingent on whether or not you bring money in sure. so we try to bring legal claims as soon as we possibly can in these cases and and one of the ways we do that obviously is by making sure that we have a team approach. We make sure that we don't lose any time between the time the person contacts us and the time that we get a legal claim started so we can bring the insurance company to the table as soon as possible. And what that does is, is, is it truncates the amount of time that the person and their family uh, go without income. Now, to the second part of the question, what do you do if the person goes back to work as a result of being cut off and then get worse? Well, that is an issue because you know, it's a catch-22. On the one hand, you're supposed to be following your doctor's uh, yeah. advice and recommendations. And if your doctors are saying, don't go back to work and you do, then get this, John, you can be blamed down the road for not following your doctor's advice by the insurance I company. I mean, again, I ludicrous, right? Which is, again, one of the reasons why you should not be doing this on your own. If you, if you find yourself or if you know of someone who is in that situation, have them contact us. These are very situation specific. We need to understand w- w- what is the, d- the disability, what's the illness, what's the issue with the insurance company. Maybe we can even resolve it without a legal claim so that the person doesn't go even a day without income. But we need to be involved from the start because if we're not, and you know, you involve us only a few weeks or a few months after you've been cut off or denied, it's going to take us a little bit of time to untangle everything to figure out how we can help you. So, you know, you have to make sure that you contact us as soon as that happens. Got about a minute to go here. Uh, quickly, we'll squeeze in this. Fightformyltd.com. Tell me about it. So that's another website. It's free. And that's for people, again, who don't want to necessarily call us or email us or, or you know, contact a lawyer. They just want to know just by answering a few uh, pieces of information about their situation, do they have a case against the LTD insurer? And so that website was designed and created. It's a very simple website. It contains some information about LTD claims, some myths, some tips that can help you with your case. But then it also contains uh, on the right side five simple questions where you put in the information about your specific case, click submit. I get that and I'll tell you if I think that you have a case against your insurance company. Costs you absolutely nothing. It's instantaneous, and really, you have nothing to lose. So, you know, I can tell you, John, since it since it was launched a few years back, it's been used literally thousands of times. Yeah. And sometimes there's a, you know there's no case. Sometimes I tell somebody, listen, you've just turned sixty five. Your policy only goes to age sixty five. There's nothing that I can do about that. But oftentimes, in fact, more more often than not, I can actually help with those claims when somebody has been cut off or denied their LTD. And that's their starting point, that that website. Going on LTD, do you quit, resign from your job? We'll talk about that. Lots more of your emails as well. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and the number one 888 It's Insurance and Injury Law Show. This is Global News Radio 640 Toronto. one 888 That's the number to get a hold of Sivan and his team. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Used quite willingly by Nancy. She says, Savannah, since I've been listening to you for a year and uh, for a year, and, and you've helped a friend of mine who was cut off LTD, and she appealed twice and denied. 
Your team took her on, and my friend ended up with a settlement that was over $200,000 when she thought she wasn't going to get a thing, not a penny. My question is, how is that possible? How can the insurer deny a claim that they obviously should be paying, and then because of a legal claim and what you guys did, reverse themselves? I just don't understand. Thanks, and thank you for helping her. Well, Nancy, thank you very much for the kind email. Uh, and you know, I want to stress that even though um, we had resolved that case for the amount that Nancy mentioned. Every case is yeah. unique and separate. You sure. have cases that are resolved for a few thousand dollars. You have cases resolved for hundreds of thousand dollars and even more. So every case is unique. And Nancy, to answer your question, you know, the 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 um, fallacy out there, or or the the myth that's out there that you can't take on an insurance company because it's a behemoth, because it's a billion dollar company, and there's so many of those around. You know, whether we're dealing with the Avivas of the world or the Manulifes or the Sunlifes or whoever they are, is that they are, again, in the business of making money. And one of the ways that they make money is by denying claims. And some claims they deny rightfully, okay? Some claims they do have reason to deny. I mean, I mentioned that before the last break. I said that if you are an LTD and your policy only takes you to age 65, and, and you've reached age 65, well, then I can't help you get more than right. you know you can get until age 65 because that's what your policy says. But the reality is that people contact us, a lot of people contact us every single day because they have been wrongfully denied disability payments or they've been cut off wrongfully. And people call us and email us because they're friends that they know who are struggling and their family members are in that same boat. And all we do, all we do is simply use the knowledge and skill that we've acquired over many, many years of practicing in this area, both for insurance companies as well as for individuals, and figure out whether or not the insurance company was correct in their decision. And lo and behold, John, in the vast majority of cases where people contact us, we find that the insurance company was not correct. And so what do we do about that? Well, we have tools at our disposal, legal tools. We have a legal framework. Remember, these insurance companies can have billions of dollars in their coffers, but at the end of the day, there are laws here and they're not above the laws. And that's how we get them to pay. We start a legal process and the insurance companies know that at the end of the day, the end game that we're looking at is if they don't come to the table and negotiate with us in good faith, they will end up before a judge and we're gonna take them to task and we're gonna present all the evidence, we're gonna get all the experts and the doctors that we need, and we're going to fight as hard as we need to fight. And they understand that and they know that. And that's the reason why they come to the table and they settle. And so when people out there, Nancy, like your friend, decide to take that insurance company on and have us represent them, well, then we put all of our firm's resources and, and, and experience and everything that we have behind that case. And if we have to go all the way to trial, we will go all the way to trial. But the, the vast majority of cases, you don't have to. And so there's no magic to it. We're not the only lawyers out there who do this. There are are other excellent lawyers. But, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. We have a phenomenal team. And we take on cases that we think are legitimate. And I think that's, that's what differentiates us from many other law firms out there who simply sign up everyone and promises the moon to everyone. Right? We actually try to assess the, each individual case on its merits and, and, and you know, take it all the way as far as we can to get the best possible settlement and resolution for our clients. If a person goes on LTD, should they quit or resign from their job? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do not quit. Do not resign from your job. First of all, that may have implications for your LTD policy. But you know, more importantly, 
you're going to be potentially foregoing severance that you may be owed if your own employer lets you go or gives you a hard time down the road. And of course, my partner, Lior Samfuru, uh, who uh, has, has been on the station and, and is now on Global and, and you know on other channels talking about employment rights, will tell you, absolutely do not quit or resign from your job, whether you are on LTD or you're not. And if you're thinking about it, give us a call before you do that and we'll dissuade you from doing so. So very important, never, ever quit or resign from your job if you are on disability. Well, uh, we'll take a short break. Get to more of your emails in our last uh, few minutes here. one 888 is the number and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't used it yet to find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be, it's very individual, so have a look at it. Injurycalculator.ca as well. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 888 the number anytime. Keep it with you. Get a hold of Savan and his team. That will work. And the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Sandra, next up, says, My husband was in a car accident in January just outside Ottawa when a truck T-boned him. He was uh, taken to hospital by ambulance and has been off work since that time. He had several fractures and has very bad headaches now. My question is whether we should uh, wait to start a claim for compensation against the other driver until we know if my husband would be able to go back to work or has uh, enough time passed. We spoke with a lawyer who said that we should wait at least a year before doing anything. Don't know where that number comes from, but uh, said a year. So what do you think? No, Sandra, that's absolutely nonsense. And John, that's something that we've talked about before on the show as well when, you know, particularly in car accident claims, some lawyers out there will tell you that you have to wait at least a year before starting yeah. what's called a tort claim, which is a claim for compensation against whoever was at fault for the accident. No, there is no reason for that. In some instances, you are dealing with you know an accident that is not that significant. You have some soft tissue injuries, something that you know back pains, neck pains, but you know they don't necessarily prevent you from working. So you do want to give it some time to figure out if those injuries are going to persist, if they're going to become chronic if they may affect your job into the future. But in Sandra's case, her husband was in a very bad accident. I mean, he was taken to the ambu- to, to the hospital in, with an ambulance, several fractures. He's got headaches, which indicates to me that there may be some concussion or, or a concussive syndrome here. We're going to have to look at some of the records. There's There's zero reason, as far as I'm concerned, given the fact that he has not been back to work up until now, uh, why it is that the lawyer told them that they have to wait for a year. Zero reason. In fact... I, I would actually say that the sooner you start the claim, in the better position Sandra and her family are going to be for a variety of reasons. Witnesses are going to have uh, more of a recollection, right? The more time passes, the less people remember. Uh, you know, we're going to be able to get to a resolution for our husband's case much quicker. I mean, imagine this, John. We have two years from the date of the accident to start a claim. Yeah. If it takes on average two to three years, on average, to resolve one of these claims, and so let's say the accident happened January of this year, 2018. You wait two years to start a claim. That's January of 2020. Add to that two or three years. You're now about four, five, maybe even six years post-accident before this family sees serious money for those injuries that Sandra's husband suffered. However, what happens if you start the claim, let's say within two months of the accident, because you know that the injuries are significant, Well, in that case, instead of five or six years for a resolution, now you're waiting two or three years for a resolution. Again, every case is different, but my point is there's no reason to wait in cases where you know that the injuries are severe. Now, remember also, we're dealing with a tort claim here, right? When you're in a car accident and it's someone else's fault and you've been injured, 
there are generally two types of claims that you have. One is accident benefits, yeah. which is benefits you know, from your own insurance company. Uh, you can get income replacement benefits if you can't work, medical rehabilitation expenses paid for, etc. So that you should be getting fairly quickly, literally within weeks of the accident. The tort claim or the claim against the other driver and their insurance company, that is the more significant claim. That's where you're claiming for also pain and suffering, future income losses, other future expenses, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very important to understand that you have those two types of claims. So we're talking here specifically about the tort claim against whoever was at fault for this accident. What happens when a person dies in an accident? We don't often talk about this. What happens when they die in an accident that was caused by someone's negligence? How does the compensation work for those kind of uh, you know tragic circumstances? Yeah, that's that is tragic, and and you know it does happen, and we have dealt with uh, with fatalities in our office, and the fatalities have happened uh, when you've had uh, you know car hitting a car or car hitting yep. a pedestrian or a motorcycle, etc. Uh, so again, you know you're dealing with two types of uh, of claims here: the accident benefits claim through your own insurance company, and and that usually involves death and funeral benefits, uh, death benefits under standard automobile policies in Ontario. Uh, provide uh, for $25,000 to an eligible spouse uh, in a lump sum. Uh, $10,000 is given to each dependent. There are funeral benefits uh, of a maximum of $6,000. But remember, there is also that tort claim. So if the person died as a result of someone's negligence, right? Let's say that it was a car on car. It was a severe accident. Well, the the family members of the person who, who died, who was not at fault, they're entitled to start a legal claim, a tort claim against whoever was at fault for the accident and their insurance company would pay. That's, that, that right is given to the family members un- under a legislation called the Family Law Act, Section 61 of the Family Law Act. You can claim for what's called loss of care, guidance and companionship right. that the deceased person would have provided to their family. But what about situations where you know, the person who died uh, was was bringing in income into the family. Well, the family can also claim for loss of financial contribution, right? Uh, if loss of uh, family work, household services, and chores. You know, I mean, you know, this this seems kind of heartless to talk about it in those terms. But really, at the end of the day, from a legal standpoint, in fatality claims, you have to look at at the dollar value because you know the legal claim can't bring the person back. But oftentimes. You know, the, the, the attempt is to somehow compensate the family for what the family has lost, even though everyone knows that no amount of money is going to really compensate right. them for the pain and for, for what they've lost. But, but so, so that's very important to understand, though, that if you're in that situation, yes, you're dealing with grief. Yes, you're dealing with everything that's involved in, in burying a loved one. But you also need to be, make sure that you and your family are protected uh, f- from a legal standpoint and are taking the right actions to take care of your family as a result of this tragic accident. I think we got time for uh, one more email. This one from Dan says, my wife has been on LTD for almost two years and now the insurance adjuster says that she will need to go back to work because she won't qualify for LTD after July 8th. She's a human resources manager, is 51 years old. She has a psychiatrist and both he and her family doctor say that she's not able to go back to work yet. She suffers from severe depression and lower back pain. How should we respond to the adjuster? Well, Dan, we, we, we just talked about this at the beginning of the show about insurance companies trying to force people to go back to work when they're not ready. Now, what's interesting to me with your email is that you say your wife is almost at the two-year mark of being on disability. And what we know is that in LTD policies, long-term disability policies, 
there is a difference for qualifying for LTD. Within the first two years, the question or the criteria is, can you do your own job? If you can't yep. do your own job, then you qualify. Beyond that two-year mark, the question becomes, can you do any job for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience? The fact that the insurance adjuster says that you should be able to go back to work after two years is meaningless to me unless there is reason behind it and unless her doctors agree. And clearly in this case, a psychiatrist and the family doctor don't agree. So I would be really curious to understand and see on what basis is the insurance adjuster saying that she should be able to go back to work. I think that we can push pretty hard on this, Dan. I think that the fact that you contacted me now and we're, we're still in June, we can do something about this, potentially prevent the cutoff on July 8th. So, you know, off air, we'll, we'll chat. I want to see the, uh, the, the medical documents. I want to see correspondence with the insurance company. I want to look at the policy. And I have no doubt, Dan, that we can help you and your wife through this. No doubt whatsoever. That'll do it for another week. Contact simple one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six email. We've uh, read a few. We've uh, given you the address a few times. I'll give it to you one more time. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked out the injury calculator, that will help you determine what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be. There is a range involved. Some simple information you type in, completely anonymous, and you'll have a nice uh, baseline number to start with. If you choose to walk away anonymous, just have the information in your head. Go for it, or there's a contact button at the bottom. We'll put you in touch with Savan and his uh, his colleagues and his crew at the firm. Completely free. Takes a couple minutes to use, and you're uh, you're off and running. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, right here, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.